Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite team. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Okay, Oilers Development Camp, day two of four today at the Downtown Community Arena. Gonna have my chat with Jake Chase on Oilers prospect later this half hour. Played with Brandon and Saskatoon this past season. Couple amazing comebacks with the Blades and the WHL, and he uh, he helped uh, save someone's life while with Brandon. He'll tell that story. The Oilers announcing this afternoon they have signed goalie Olivier Rodrigue to a one-year two-way deal worth seven hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. He spent uh, last season. With Bakersfield 14, 14, and 1 in 29 games played, picked by the Oilers 62nd overall back in 2018. The Elks announced during our newscast uh, they have signed Mike Dubasson, linebacker. We have the Elks this week coming up from 7:30 to 8 with Morley Scott. Blue Jays scoreless against the Chicago White Sox in the fourth, and the Stingers host the Calgary Surge at 7:30 at the Expo Center. And ongoing. At West Edmonton Mall is the Brick Invitational Tournament Director Andy Wakeston checking in tonight. Andy, good to have you on the show. How are things hey, there, man? Things are good here. It's actually uh, warmed up a little bit today, but uh, things are good, yeah. Okay, what, what year is this for the Brick Invitational now? 34. 34 years. Uh, incredible. You've been part of every uh, every year, so you're off and going again. Uh, tell us a little bit about the lineup of teams. I know we have Team Brick Alberta, but tell us a little bit about the lineup of teams. Well, we've got two conferences. The first conference is Montreal Canadiens, Toronto Bulldogs, Detroit, Team Alberta, the Western Selects out of uh, Los Angeles and Chicago, and the other and, and Saskatoon. And the other one is Minnesota, Toronto Pro Hockey, BC, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Manitoba, and Boston. So it's a pretty good split um, right now. Uh, in the in the first conference, Montreal and Toronto Bulldogs are both two and zero. And Detroit's two and one, so those are the top three in that one. And the other one, Minnesota's two and zero, Pro Hockey's two and zero, and the BC Junior Canucks are two and one. So we've got two pretty equal equal tops on, on both conferences. And uh, I, I should let everybody know, uh, Team Brick Alberta plays. Tonight at 8:50 against Montreal. So hey, if and you're shopping that'll be late, a huge game. Yeah, huge what, what, what's Team Brick at right now? One and one. One and they one. Lost, they, they lost their first one by one goal, and they won their second one by one goal. So they're uh, they're one and one, and looking forward to meeting Montreal tonight. All right. And what I mean, look, the tournament started yesterday, which of course was a holiday Monday. Did and look, it's it's such a cool event because some people might have appointment viewing. They want to see Team Brick Alberta or go watch a game. Some people might be shopping and like, oh, I'm going to take a little while and watch a hockey game. How have the crowds been around the Ice Palace there? Yesterday was wild. I mean, every every single game, it was packed. Uh, today, this morning was a little, was a little quiet, but it's really picked up. And then when the brick game came on, the first game came on the late late morning. Um, we had a really good crowd, and uh, they sort of stayed. It's uh, it's been real really good actually. Now this this is ten year olds, but we know right. about the alumni from this tournament that are in the NHL. If if we listed all of them, that would be my entire show. Uh, so <laughs> we won't do we won't do that. But because because people say to me, you know, or sometimes there are people new to Edmonton and they're like, well, well, why do you have this tournament? Like it's it's little kids and stuff. And I'm like, hold the phone here. Like these are elite players. What do you, do you have? Like are there NHL scouts there? Are there are there Western Hockey League scouts there? Like give me a sense of the of that. 
None of it can happen. They can't. You can't scout a ten-year-old. So this is just pure hockey. Um, so the, these guys will. But what, what we know, the, the reason we've had sixty-three, we put sixty-three hundred kids through this program in the last 34, 33 years. And we've had 325 play in the NHL, and there's right now, I think there's 127 currently playing in the NHL. So, I mean, it is pretty elite from that standpoint. We know that 80% of the players that come into this tournament will probably play a major junior college, um, AHL, that sort of thing, and that, that may not, even in Europe before they'll end up in the NHL, or, or maybe may, they may not. But at least 80% will play that. But only about 10% each year will make will get drafted which is still a, a pretty good percentage pretty I think. Good if, if, yeah. you, <laughs> if you went to city uh, any random tournament anywhere remind everybody and me about the the process for the kids who have made team brick alberta because i i know uh you know i've got to interview some of the kids in the past i'm like man oh man you gotta you gotta be pretty dedicated just to make this team and for this tournament yeah we um the team brick uh, group Team Brick Alberta group starts off at Christmas, just after Christmas, and they do a huge three-day camp. And they usually have, this year, I think they had about 165 kids go into it, and they break it all down, and they keep about half, right? So, um, so they eliminate the first half, and then in April, uh, end of end of March or April, when when the regular hockey season is done, they hold another three-day camp, and and in that camp, they actually get it down to the top. Probably 25, and then throughout their net, and they start practicing in May, and that's where they'll eliminate the, the rest of them and um, come up with their team. And they practice May and June, and um, they do one tour, one trip to a tournament. They went to Toronto this year, and uh, and they just work out every weekend here at West Edmonton Mall and get ready for the tournament. Yeah, because obviously, for, like it's literally a provincial team, right? So there's kids from all totally. over. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. So it runs all week. Uh, people can Google the schedule, but again, the next game for Team Brick Alberta, 8.50 tonight, yep. and then they play at 3.50 tomorrow afternoon. The That's quarterfinals right. and the semis are Saturday. The championship game is noon on Sunday. Did I miss anything else important nope, there? You're right, you're right on it. If anybody wants to find out anything or if they want to watch them live on TV, you just go to brickhockey.ca, and you'll see, and, and you'll, our website will come up, and it'll say live. You hit that. We're streaming all the games live. Or if you hit schedule, you'll find out all the schedules. All right, Andy, you're the best, and you've done an incredible job with this tournament uh, over the years. And I always love having you on the show. I'll let you get back to the hockey, though, and good luck to Team Brick Alberta tonight. Oh, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. That is Andy Wakeston, tournament director for the Brick Invitational. One of the divisions, he didn't want to say it, he's too modest. One of the divisions is named after him uh, because he's been involved in the tournament since the very beginning. So Team Brick Alberta, they are 1-1, one and one, and they play 8:50 tonight at West Edmonton Mall against uh, the Montreal Canadiens 10-year-old team. Pretty cool. 780-496-0063 if you want to get in touch. I was at Oilers Development Camp this morning. So, Jake Chason. Lot to talk to him about. He's uh, now 20 years of age, taken by the Oilers' fourth round, 116th overall in 2021. Caught up with him after the skate to talk about development camp and more. Yeah, great. Um, obviously, it's always nice to get in here for this week of summer. I uh, see a lot of faces you haven't seen all year. And and for me, it's uh, building the relationships with guys that I hope to be teammates with one day and um, learning a lot. And, and like I said, it's great to be here and uh, be a part of this week. All right. 
and for you, a, a pretty uh, eventful season. First of all, you're on a team that did something incredibly rare. Tell us about coming back from 3 nothing down in a series. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was an experience I haven't really felt before. Um, it was... Uh, it was weird. Oftentimes, uh, teams will get down on themselves in 3-0, and I think the most special part about our group there was we came into the rink each day um, like it was a 0-0 series, and, and that was pretty special to be a part of. Uh, I think we're a third team in Western League uh, history to do it, and uh, it showed a lot of uh, character, and, and it shows uh, a lot about each and every guy in that room this season. Yeah. And well, and you guys came back in the first round too, right? Because it wasn't 3 nothing, but 2 nothing with the two losses at home. So did you draw on that in the, in the second round at all? Yeah, I think you always touch on uh, situations that you've been a part of but um, obviously it's not ideal to be down uh, early in a series and um, but it, like I said it does show a lot of character and, and for us it was just it's a seven game series for a reason and our, our coach Sones there uh, did a great job uh, telling our team that and, and every day we came to the rink with a fresh mindset that uh, we want to be there and we deserve to be there. All right and you were traded obviously during the season I mean given did you did you kind of see that coming did you know you might might be moving to a con, more of a contender? Yeah I think that's always uh, how junior hockey works it's always up in the air that um, certain guys will be moving at the deadline and um, for me I was just focused on going into Saskatoon uh, with an open mindset and and looking to uh, play a role there that's going to help a team win and, and for me personally it really helped my game and uh, allowed me to play the way that I want to play and uh, I think I'm best when I'm when I'm playing a role on a team that uh, provides help to win and I think I did a good job with that in Saskatoon, and Saskatoon allowed me to, to be that player for them. Yeah. And did, did you have a shoulder issue? Was it last year? What, what happened there? Yeah, I got hurt here at Dev Camp. Yeah. Uh, not last year, a year before. Or I guess it was September. It was, there was no Dev Camp that year because of COVID. But, uh, yeah, it just went down a weird fall. And I uh, was able to get amazing help here in Edmonton from TD and, and the medical staff and, and, and my staff back in Brandon at the time and uh, allowed me to get back on the ice quickly and, and uh, I'm feeling good right now and, and there's been no problems ever since. Okay. Uh, I want to take you back a little bit uh, when you were, you said you grew up in Abbotsford? I did, yeah. Were, were you a hockey, like you were one of these kids skating when you were two or what's the story? Yeah, I was on the ice pretty early. Um, not too much family in hockey, surprisingly. My, my uncle Doug, uh, Lidster, played for multiple different teams, won a couple cups, but um, other than that, my dad was a tennis player, my mom's from New Zealand, so uh, not much hockey in my family. I think it was just it was just growing up watching games. Uh, a couple friends had older brothers that played. Noah Jolson was a big one, plays in Vancouver organization now. I remember watching him when I was little, and um, for me it was just, it was just easy to fall in love with the game. I loved being at the rink, uh, carrying a stick around the ice, or around the rink wherever I went, and um, it was just a sport I fell in love with, and I'm, I'm still in love with it today. So, Well, I remember Doug Lister. You probably are not old enough to remember him actually playing, but does, does he give you any, any wisdom along the way, or does he, does he does he stay out of it? Yeah, no, he, he chimes in when he needs to. Obviously, he's, uh, he was a later-round pick that carved his way uh, pretty successfully. And for him, it's just it's just guiding me uh, when it's time to be guided. He he likes he likes to see me carve my own path, and he keeps in touch with me. But obviously, he's living back on the East Coast now, so a little less time to see him. But uh, whenever there's a time to talk to him, I love it. And uh, there's not too many guys that know the game as well as he does. Okay, I know this got some coverage at the time. I think it was early December in in Brandon. You and some teammates saw a gentleman uh, having a tough moment in his life on on a bridge in Brandon. Tell take me back to that. Yeah, obviously, uh, a time you don't uh, want to be a part of, essentially. But uh, for us, we were just out at a team event, actually, in the in the north side of the city. 
and that bridge we have to cross to get back uh, to where we live. So uh, four of us were in the car, carpooling, and uh, came across the bridge uh, going south. And two of us kind of looked at each other, wondering if we both saw the same thing, which was a guy standing up on, on top of the bridge. and. Uh, uh, hung a quick U-turn uh, pretty quickly to get back to him, and uh, my my teammate Calder Anderson uh, stepped out of the car on the driver's side while I called the police and um, just told them about the situation and we needed help quickly. And Calder did a good job talking to him, and uh, I was there giving the the time details of you're you're okay, there's help, and and for us it was just we didn't expect the story to go. Um, Viral. It's not necessarily what we wanted, but uh, the media team and Brandon did a did a good job at bringing light to the situation that people can people can help, and all it takes is all it takes is one person stepping out that can um, save a life. So we're happy that he is okay and he's doing well. So uh, for us, it was just special to to see that he's uh, making progress forward. Yeah. Well, good for you for doing that. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Yeah, quite a tale there from Jake. Chase on prospect for your Edmonton Oilers split his season last year between Brandon and Saskatoon and as he told you a couple of pretty amazing comebacks in the playoffs as a member of the Blades. Blue Jays have gone up 2-0. It's the top of the fifth. They are on the road against the Chicago White Sox. Morley Scott checks in when we get back. <laughs> Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. Okay, I have some numbers for you. Three seven three zero 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 seven ten zero fourteen zero zero six and one. As I welcome Elks play-by-play voice. Morley Scott to the show. Uh, Morley, those are the points uh, scored in each of the 16 quarters the Elks have played this season. All right, there you go. Yeah, I was, I was wondering. They were low numbers, so I figured they'd be about the Elks offense. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, either, so they've played 16 quarters. They have not scored in eight of them, and they had another quarter where they just got a point and uh, two other quarters where they just got to three. And quite frankly, I, well, I mean, we got to – well, maybe I'm. I, I I feel like I've been overly negative about the team, but they are 0-4. Uh, the this quarter where they got to 14 points, uh, they kind of got a fluky touchdown on the last play of the game against Toronto. Yeah. I, yeah. I I know there are a lot of problems with the team, but but to me the offense leads the way, and and I hear things from family, friends, and fans, and listeners, and the one thing I hear is well, like they're not even exciting, like they're they're not even moving the ball, and it's got to be frustrating for you for you guys to cover and watch at practice even or and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's frustrating for everybody, uh, and we talked with Chris Jones about that a little bit on the post game show uh, on Friday in Ottawa. There, the frustration level is building, and I think we saw that kind of turn into some roster moves over the last couple of days and we'll talk about those on the show coming up but yeah it's been it's been tough sled and there's no doubt about that they're trying to repair the o-line right now the o-line has struggled uh and i think they're trying to repair that and they believe that that is going to kind of branch out and make everything uh, everything else a little bit better it'll give the quarterback more time 
to uh, to make his decisions and to make his plays. It'll give the running backs maybe a little more room to to run the ball and gain some yards on the ground because you know you got to get the run game going. You got to give the quarterbacks time to operate, and that all comes from the offensive line. So they're making some changes to that uh, that part of their game, and they hope that that's going to be uh, the beginning of turning things around. What, if anything, did he say about going back to Cornelius? Uh, I, he didn't. He, he said he was, and he said he's going to give him a, a, a smaller playbook, and he's going to give him uh, plays that he's comfortable with, and plays that he's had success with in the past. And and they're from what I understand, I think they're going to go back to last year's playbook a little bit, and especially look at what was good with Dylan Mitchell, what was good with Kevin Brown, because those two guys are struggling as well to start the season. So I think they're going to try and put everybody in his. Uh, in a familiar position, trying to put everybody in a position to be successful, just simplify everything. And what I believe they're going to try and do is, is just get the ball to their receivers and their running back in space and let them make moves, let them use their athletic ability to do something, and then maybe mix in a deep shot in there once in a while as well to try and uh, to try and get somebody deep downfield. Well, and as much as I complain about that, Morley, uh, I mean, there was a deep shot that should have gone for a touchdown. That, that yep. Kyron Moore, uh, I mean, didn't catch. And so. what was that? It was like a 16-6 at the time, I believe. Yeah, it was still so, a game. It was, so, it was still I mean, a game, you score yeah. that, yeah, you score what, 6 and 7 is 13, right? So you score that, maybe they get a two-point convert. I don't know. You score that, and you're, you're it's a one-score game again, right? And you're right back into it, and that changes things. There was, uh, that wasn't the only pass that was dropped, and that's an issue as well. Uh, the the receivers have been dropping by every game or or so. There's uh, there's somebody, one or two guys dropping passes, and you're right on the Kyron Moore one. That would have been a touchdown. Another one would have put them into at least field goal range, kept them on the field a little longer, and chance for a touchdown. Uh, who's coming up tonight? Uh, we're going to hear from uh, one of the uh, returning Elks. Jordan Reeves will join us. We'll talk to Blake Dermott as well, and we'll go over all the changes that have been made uh, in the last couple of days by the Elks. Morley, have a good show. Thanks, Rito. The Elks this week coming up after the 7.30 news with Morley Scott. The game is on Thursday. That's in two days. 5.30 for the countdown to kickoff game at 7. Elks at Saskatchewan. Their uh, second meeting of the season. Saskatchewan with that goal line stand to win back in week one. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. we got a full edition of Inside Sports from 6 to 8 tomorrow night. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening.